2: Welcome to Not Over It. I'm Becky Kirsch, Managing Editor at
0: PopSugar. And I'm Zareen Sneaky, Director of Partnerships at PopSugar. This week, we're stepping into the world of Sherman Oaks High School, home of the fighting cricket. Woo! <laughs> Not really, but we are talking about a show that Becky and I both feel is very underrated. Never Have I Ever.
2: Yes, the second season of Never Have I Ever recently came out. We feel it is just as good as the first season and we're going to talk all about that show it might be the best show you're not watching and as a fun bonus I got to talk to two of the show's stars Ramona Young and Lee Rodriguez all about season two whether they're team Ben or team Paxton the age-old question and their personal not over it's but first it's time for Zareen what's your not over it of the week
0: Okay, my not over it this week is taking me back into time a little bit because recently there was some news that came out about James Gandolfini, RIP, that allegedly he was paid $3 million by the Sopranos boss to reject Steve Carell's role in The Office, which is insane to me. Um, allegedly, before James Spader came on and, um, you know, after Steve Curl, they offered him, I guess, close to $4 million to play him for the season. Like to play the Steve Carell role, and then HBO paid him three million dollars to not do it.
2: Well, not not to play not to play Michael Scott.
0: No, 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 not yeah, not to like replace to his play the like but, quote like, unquote
2: boss, boss after Michael Scott yeah, yeah, left, yeah. which yeah. is
0: just like the most bizarre because I think like you obviously you think of James Gandolfini and I don't know it has a very distinct kind of personality comes to mind, and so to place him in the office environment feels off. I don't know.
2: Oh, I. I could actually totally see it because and maybe this is because I rewatched The Office recently. But when they were when Steve Carell left and then they had all those like totally against type people come in, like they had Idris Elba or maybe Idris Elba was earlier, but they had Kathy Bates come in as one of the bosses. And then James Spader was totally different from. Right. yes. So that I could kind of see. I would assume that James Gandolfini wouldn't be playing the same type of. Uh, yeah, I
0: guess it would be nuanced. I guess just in that environment of like how the show is and what I assume James Gandolfini—I've never seen The Sopranos, but what I assume his character is like is someone that's going to come in and you know torture someone and then shoot them or something. Well, you I don't, don't really—you
2: don't typically associate James Gandolfini with comedy, straight. Yes, I think com- that's it. Comedy, yes. but I think th- I think we're burying the real meat of the story which is that hbo was so concerned about i don't know what tarnishing the legacy of the sopranos or needing him to stay within the hbo family that they were willing to pay him that much money to just not take a role
0: yeah like imagine just getting paid to not he's like here don't take this job i'll give you three million dollars you're like okay any day of the week yes no that's wild no that's so wild anyway i can't get over that i think it's wild um becky what's your not over it this week
2: Uh, Am I not over it? I'm kind of over it. I don't know. (laughs) We've talked a lot about Chrissy Teigen and her mean tweets and her being canceled over them and then, you know, her bouncing back from that. But I I think what's, what's interesting is that late last week, she posted an Instagram sort of feeling like she needed to address how she's been feeling about it all. Like, she basically has been picked... Picking up the cadence of posting on her Instagram again, posting you know cute pics of her kids. Sort of what I deemed as like, okay, she apologized. Okay, like she's just moving on and getting back into the the swing of things. And I, I don't really know what else she could do um and then she posts this whole instagram that with this whole long caption about how she's depressed and how she's feeling and she feels lost she desperately wants to communicate with her following she can't pretend everything's fine and then you know she said things like cancel club is a fascinating thing and i learned a whole lot only a few understand it and it's impossible to know if you're in it which i understand what she's saying but it and she even said wrote in the caption like this is going to be interpreted probably in a bad way like everyone's going to rip me apart for this but it it really did feel a little like poor me like I think she was trying to be relatable and real but I don't know if this was the right way to go about it
0: no because it's like woe is me I'm depressed and I feel upset but it's also the whole other part of this is like I'm sure Courtney Stradon also felt weird when you were attacking her when she was 16 and you were 27. Like, that's also a thing that was like, I don't know. It's hard to fi- I Again, I, we've talked about this endlessly and she's going to be fine. I just think she doesn't know how to, like, stay out of the limelight long enough for people not to be mad at her at something. Like, she keeps coming back and then saying all the wrong things. And it just almost, like, revives this cycle where people are upset at her.
2: Right. And I think at this point, we've reached a point where people who have written her off because of this are probably going to continue to write her off. And people who are still her fans are going to continue to still be her fans. So I don't really know that she needs to keep bringing this up. It just sort of seems ill-advised. But what's funny is that at the end of her caption, she wrote, if you or someone you know is also being canceled, please let me know if there's a canceled club reunion because I could use some time off my couch. And coincidentally, James Gunn, Who is a director who is most known for directing the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, who was also canceled or attempted to cancel. We tried to cancel him a few years ago uh, because he had some unsavory, gross tweets in his past where he was joking about pedophilia and rape and a lot of other yucky things. He's also talking about what it was like to be canceled and, you know, sort of, quote unquote, uncanceled because he... Was fired by Disney from directing the third Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And then Chris Pratt and the rest of the cast sort of rallied around him and were upset. And then they reinstated him. And then, meanwhile, it, quickly after this, or even in the midst of all this, Warner Brothers hired him to direct and write the new Suicide Squad movie. So it was, he was canceled for a second and then quickly, you know, continued right. on working. But now that he's promoting that movie, he gave this whole interview with the New York Times and was just talking about what that whole experience was like. And I I found it most interesting to read these quotes from someone who's on the other side of this where they have been sort of canceled and uncanceled and they're trying to take accountability, but also sort of hint that we shouldn't cancel everyone. And he said cancel culture is problematic you know he was like basically like it can be problematic but also it's people like harvey weinstein who should be canceled which is yeah. a valid point like some people deserve to be canceled and other people don't but i mean no one really has an answer of who does and who doesn't but i just think it's interesting that now we're at this place where people have been canceled and they've come all the way back around that now they're giving interviews well not chrissy Teigen. she's just talking but no, yeah. uh, she's about she's what out. it was like to be canceled but they should join the support group together chrissy i think that's
0: what is making it worse because she's kind of making light of it a little bit and i think that's what is irritating people where it's like this she's like look at me i'm still so relatable and funny and i'm you know looking for this support group and it's like okay have fun with kevin spacey and army hammer in your living room like i don't know what's happening here sort of a thing where it's like who are you inviting in this cancel culture and i think that's the whole issue it's like certain people are obviously canceled for much heavier things and then other people are you know We'll say one thing and like, you know, when we talked about the Billie Eilish stuff, it was like everybody wanted to cancel her for something that she said when she was like 12 or 13. And it's like there's nuance to this stuff. And Chrissy Teigen should just take a break from social media, which seems impossible for her. But I think that would really truly be the best route.
2: <laughs> I don't even think she needs to take a break. I think she just needs to do what she already started doing. I don't think anyone needs to hear her. Like we don't need the reassurance that she's constantly Atoning, Because I think yeah. in it, she's trying to make herself seem more down to earth and it's only making her seem further removed <laughs> yeah. from earth. Yes.
0: Yeah. But I think that's it. I don't think she knows how to continue being on social media without addressing this. But, you know, only in the future we will we, we'll find out what happens, I guess we will just have to wait and see.
2: And also the timing was interesting because she posted this the day before the second season of Never Have I Ever came out, oh, which yes. she was originally supposed to be part of. And ah, they yes, ended yes. up removing her, which we will get into. So why don't we dive into the meat of today's episode?
0: So a little background on on the show, Never Have I Ever. It came out um, last year. It was re- season one was released April 27th, um, 2020, which feels truly 100 years ago. But it, it hasn't been that long. But what a lifetime away it feels. Um, the story centers around a young girl named Devi Vishwakumar, who lives in Sherman Oaks, California, and it's, it's a, I guess you could say a coming of age story centered around this girl who, you know, loses her father early in life. And I think it's, I think everybody takes something different away from it. It's a, a fun, I know that sounds dark because she just lost <laughs> her dad, but it is actually a really fun and quirky show. And I think um, the cast and is full of eclectic characters and, you know, a girl kind of going through whatever you, you know teenager is going through in high school picking picking what love interests that she is going to go forward with it's produced by Mindy Kaling or created by Mindy Kaling
2: yeah it's created by Mindy Kaling the description of it does make it sound kind of emo and depressing but right. rest assured it is it's a comedy it's very funny and it but it has a very emotional deep center and i think in the second season even more you almost forget that the root of the show is about this trauma that she's going through and sort of a lot of the things that the main character does are in reaction to losing her father and sort of trying to figure herself out throughout high school. And the the key event of the show that sort of sets everything in motion is that she asks the hottest guy at school to have sex with her in the second episode, randomly.
0: I was wondering if you would ever consider having sex with me
2: like they've never spoken before and he says yes and then it's sort of
0: a way to start a conversation
2: yes it's sort of uh you know what what unfolds from there
0: well i mean it did come out a while ago becky when was the first time you watched the show
2: it was summer and it was hot (laughs) um i watched it when it came out i was really excited about this show because I love Mindy Kaling's work on The Office and the Mindy Project and otherwise. And you know, I love a good teen show. Can't resist a good teen show. So I was into this show from the start and I watched it. It was one of those shows that I loved so much from the beginning that I had to like ration the episodes because I just wanted to sit down and watch the whole entire thing in one sitting because the episodes are short and there's only 10 of them. Right. Um, so I, I watched it straight out of the gate. I was an early adopter. Oh, that's-
0: That's right. Becky's kryptonite is truly teen shows. We all know this. (laughs) Um, Actually, yeah, I do remember that because I think you were the one that convinced me to watch this show. Also, I don't think it required that much convincing because we were in the thick extra seas of the pandemic and nothing new was on TV, I think, maybe except Tiger King, which, my God, I would like to erase from my memory forever, but this felt like the only sort of fresh content that was coming out and I was so pleasantly surprised that I wasn't just I would have been to this outside of a you know, being stuck at home in a pandemic. I just think that the show is so well done.
2: Right. The fact that it was released, happened to be released during the pandemic, it just made it even, it just felt like what I needed at that time. But yes, to your point, it wasn't like, oh, it's good for pandemic content. No, yeah. It was like, no, the show is genuinely good. and genuine. And I remember when people are asking me, like, what have you been watching last year? This was the number one thing I was recommending to people.
0: Yeah, and it still feels like nobody's really watching it which is like confusing to me. I think it's a show that a lot of my friends are like, oh my God, I love Mindy Kaling. I love everything she does. This is on my list, and yet no one has watched it. So this is your chance. Watch it now. Season two is out. You have two full seasons to binge, and it's worth it. Also, I really appreciate this show because the cast, the representation in general, it's refreshing um, to see such an array of different people on a show the way that you see in real life. It really does look like a high school that you would see in America today, which I think is... And it's done very organically. It doesn't feel forced.
2: Right. And I actually, I talked this a little bit um, with Lee and Ramona about how the show, you know, it's not ahead of its time. It's a reflection of its time. But compared to everything else that we see, it really is sort of at the top, I think, of the echelon of shows that are actually doing it right and presenting, you know, a wide range Of diversity, but also doing it in a way where they can comment on culture and comment on cultural differences, but without making it feel like they're making fun of it at someone's expense. Like even when they are like poking fun at themselves, it doesn't feel like it's, um, you know, hurting anyone.
0: No. And I think there is something to be said that um, in a way, not that it's okay to make fun of, you know, but I think in a way it, it feels a little bit reassuring that at the helm of the show is Mindy Kaling, who is a woman of color and. I think has a little bit more authority on, I don't know, if she wants to poke fun at Indian culture, I think she 100% has the authority to do that. So it doesn't feel gross watching it. It's almost welcome and entertaining in a way that doesn't feel like you're subjecting yourself or leaning into something you shouldn't be.
2: Yeah, and something else uh, the ladies also talked about in my interview with them is that the diversity and representation isn't just limited to what you see on screen or even just what you see on screen at Mindy Kaling. It also goes through the writers, the cast, the crew and everyone who is behind the camera as well.
0: That's refreshing. And also a good reminder that it actually can be done. So it's, it's really not that hard as I think a lot of a lot of the folks in the industry are making it seem out to me. Mindy Kaling did it. If she can do it. You can do it. There you go. Speaking of the cast, the main character, Maitreyi's audition story is actually interesting. She was picked out of 15,000 girls and had zero acting experience prior to this. And her friends and her just decided to do this for fun. Wow. Send an audition tape, which is, imagine just being like, I'm bored, I'm just going to send this And the next thing you know, you're the star of a Netflix show that's being created by Mindy Kaling.
2: True overnight success. Well, and I think most of the cast, especially um the the young the young cast you know some of the adults we've seen before um and <laughs> yeah. and other things but um we're all fresh faces people we had not really seen much of before I know we both um get a big kick out of Darren Barnett who plays Paxton Hall Yoshida who's the heartthrob of the show <laughs> the guy that uh Davey wants to have sex with that when we first watched it you're like wow this guy's really hot how no, old yes. is he
0: i sent becky a very concerned text and i didn't know what was going on and i was like i, I feel really weird watching this show i'm attracted to this high schooler and Becker's fun with it yeah he's like 30 dude you're fine <laughs> I was
2: like, oh, right okay. and the ongoing phenomenon of the netflix boyfriend it goes from why is there no information about this person including his age to this person has millions of followers on instagram yes correct well speaking of the fresh young cast Let's get into our interview with Ramona Young and Lee Rodriguez.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify, whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However, you cha-ching from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer.
2: Today, we are very excited that we're joined by Lee Rodriguez and Ramona Young, who play Fabiola and Eleanor on Never Have I Ever. Welcome to the show, both of you.
1: Thank you, Becky. Hey, hey. Yeah, we're excited to be here.
2: Okay, so the name of the podcast is Not Over It, so every week we, you know, usually open the show by talking about something that um, my co-host, who unfortunately couldn't be here today and I, are not over. So this can be, you know, a recent celebrity headline this can be a show you're binging or just something from you know that you feel nostalgic about uh from your past in pop culture so i would love to know something that both of you are not over
3: i am not over the premiere that we went to last night for fear street it was so much fun it was such a good movie and it, it was just such a good time to like be on the red carpet and like get all dressed up Q. yeah so not over that that
1: was so fun um i am not over the hashtag free britney scandal yeah Ooh. oh that's rough it still makes me sad it still makes me angry when i Ruff. think about it not just like the fact that like her dad was such a bad like influence but like the fact that no one else did anything around her like that that makes that's like just as bad that makes me so sad
2: yeah no i i agree with that and i think listening to the i don't know if you guys heard the audio of her making the statement yeah. was really hard yeah. to listen to and you know really showed the emotion yeah. the emotion there and a, br- a side of her that i feel like we haven't seen in forever
1: Yeah, yeah no no one no like cognizant adult who is working so hard and so successful. No one should be treated like that. Like, that's not okay. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, well, I think we're all, you know, rooting for her and hopefully something good can come of it or something better for her. Okay, well, on a more positive note, let's talk about your show, Never Have I Ever. We're huge fans of this show. We were just talking about how this was uh, my personal favorite thing that I watched in quarantine and how even... Watching the second season, I got, like, a little bit of a sneak peek. I wanted to savor it and draw it out longer than I could, so it
1: was really awesome. Did you watch all of season two, you said? I did.
2: I watched the whole thing, (gasps) mostly in one day. Oh, my goodness. Um, It was so good. It was so delightful. I felt like it really did a great job building on the first season and took all the characters in really interesting directions, which was awesome. Um, yeah. So how did
1: it cool.
2: how did it feel for both of you reuniting for the second season and filming versus the first?
1: Uh, Lee, you wanna
3: yeah. take it away? Yeah, I mean, it felt like no time had passed.
1: Just seeing everybody's face again. We lived together in between season one and two. Oh wow! So we were room. Yeah, we became roommates, and so uh, so it was literally like no time <laughs> has passed. Yeah.
2: And without spoiling too much, what were some of your favorite moments or themes of season two that you were excited to explore with your characters? Just
3: friendship. The themes of friendship are always really fun.
1: Yeah, I really liked the costumes in season two, especially episode 10. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Especially. Yes.
2: Yeah, I felt like both of your characters' wardrobes were sort of kicked up a notch. Lee, I know Fabiola's wardrobe becomes a, a focal point as it changes through the season, but but I notice yeah. both of them have very specific styles. And Ramona, your character always has the most interesting accessories of anyone on the show, I would say.
1: Also, on, on the side note, like on top of costumes, another thing that I really loved is our like love relationships in season two. Like everyone is going through something like romantically, that's like new and challenging.
2: Yeah. Well, I also thought, so it's so hard to talk about that spoiling, but there were um, some darker themes that were explored also specifically with relationships, which I thought was interesting. And how is that to play? I mean, it's more specifically for you, Ramona.
1: Oh, how was it to play? I mean, Tyler, he uh, is a new cast member of our show in season two, and he is just great to work with because he's very fun and he gets into character before we even call action. So he will improvise scenes with me, which at first I found, uh, how do I (laughs) describe this? (laughs) A little intimidating, but I would kind of go along with it.
3: I actually really loved Eleanor's love life this season it was so interesting and like it was like dark as well and it was made me i just want
1: happiness for eleanor yeah well you got to kiss a lot of frogs to find your prince
2: right well i mean i think that, that that's probably a closer experience to you know what actually happens in high school versus the same two people t- pining after you the whole entire time which is davy's storyline so you mentioned one new character, but there are a bunch of new characters on this season, um, notably a new like semi-rival for Davey, um, also Common. What, what was it like to welcome these new cast members to the set?
3: First of all, I'm so mad that I didn't get to meet Common, Yeah, but it's fine. It's okay. Megan is awesome. She fit right in. Um, everyone who was new that came was just really cool to work with and like had such great energy.
1: This is my second acting project with Common. Wow. And I don't know if he knows that I exist still because we have zero scenes together. Um, in both in, I was in a movie with him. I don't even know if he knows that, but I was in a movie with him and we had zero scenes together and now we're in never have I ever. And, um, we have zero scenes together. So I don't know if he actually knows that I exist. But I saw... I think he does. I hope so, because we made eye contact, and I almost passed out in the makeup trailer.
2: Well, maybe he'll come back for the next season, and we can work that out. Well, and speaking of guest stars and celebrities, one of the most fun aspects of the show is the recurring theme of celebrity narrator. Now, neither of your characters have yet to introduce who the celebrity narrator might be, but who would you choose if it was up to you for your characters?
3: Ugh, I can't remember her name, but India or... Um,
2: oh, Idina Menzel. Oh, I
3: feel so bad. I'm messing up her name. But uh, <laughs> mm. Idina Menzel, yeah, yeah, yeah. You and yeah. John
2: Travolta have in common that you can't pronounce her name, by the way.
3: Uh, oh, yeah, crap. Okay. <laughs> no, but yeah, somebody like Broadway
1: theater-esque for, that for Eleanor. is so good, Um, I, you know who I kind of want to narrate my, my, um, narration if I were to have one, if Eleanor were to have one, I think Mindy Kaling would be really cool.
2: Oh, that would be cool. And she hasn't made any sort of appearance on the show yet, right?
1: Right. Wouldn't that be so
2: epic? That
1: would be so cool.
2: I feel like she needs to get in there at some point.
1: Right. What about
3: for Fabiola? Um... Let's think. Honestly, I kind of really love—not kind of—I really love Issa Rae. So
2: maybe Issa Rae. Oh, Issa Rae is so good. No, she would be awesome. Those are those are great answers. What's what's the? I know you get this question all the time about what's it like working with Mindy Kaling, but how how is does you know working with her continue to evolve, and you know what new things have you learned working with her in the second season?
1: So lucky, so fortunate. Like I always feel so grateful. Um, Mindy is supportive. She likes to support young women, young women of color. She wants her cast to thrive in not just the show, but in business and in show business. And it's amazing to get to work with someone who who has done it all that you can look up to.
3: Yeah. Yeah. She's really cool. Like every time I see her I'm just like always like wow that's yeah and she's just such a like normal down-to-earth person and very
1: caring it's it's really it's really nice to see yeah and she really honestly like wants the best for you like if you're in Mm -hmm. her like world and in her bubble and working on her projects if she knows you she wants you to like thrive and do well which is amazing
2: so she lives up to the expectation that everyone has of what it would be like to work with her.
1: Yes. Absolutely. That and more. Like you just see her constantly like juggling like 30 different projects at a time. It's it's yes. insane. No, it's definitely
2: very, very inspiring. So one of the things we, you know, love, see, appreciate about the show is how many different cultures are represented in the characters and also how diversity and culture is discussed and approached and A very organic and thoughtful way that sometimes is comical, but never feels like it comes at the expense of anyone. So, how does it feel to be a core member of that cast, especially you know among all the other shows out there and everything that's happening in Hollywood, which doesn't necessarily feel like it's showcasing the same level of representation?
3: It's about time. It's about 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 damn time. Mm -hmm. It feels good. It makes you feel seen. It makes you feel respected and like. It's just so important, it's just so important yeah. to be represented on screen. It's like people don't realize how important it is until you like see yourself and like to be in that position too it's just it, it's it makes a difference. it makes you feel like comfortable and like
1: feel I don't, just more like valued and so it it's really really important. I thought at first that it's normal to feel like intimidated and little awkward on set until i realized oh it's just because there wasn't enough diversity and like working on like never have i ever you realize like oh my gosh like i feel so much more comfortable seeing faces around me who look like me like in front of the camera and people who are writers directors like working on this with you like it's so important it makes you feel so like accepted and welcomed Whereas, like most other sets, like you, like if you're a person of color, if you're a woman of color, like you especially, like feel a little ostracized.
3: Yeah, I I've had that same that same experience too. I thought it was like just the thing to feel like awkward and like intimidated. Yeah, like you but think that's normal when you see. Yeah, when you see familiar faces, you just feel at home. It's just. It makes a big difference and it's really
1: important it makes your perf- to like it help. makes your performance better too because you feel comfortable you feel free to like act and be yourself you know you don't feel like you're walking on eggshells mm-hmm. around people that you know because we're all strangers already so like it, it's weird when you're the only like person of color that's why representation is like so important so important behind mm-hmm. camera in front of camera
2: Right. Yeah. And I think that's a great, that's a great point too. You bring up that it's not just the actors that you see, but also, um, the, the writers, the whole crew at everyone, you know, it's like a, it's coming at you from all angles. And I think sometimes there is like a specific fixation on just who you see, but everything informs the project as a whole.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, you don't want to walk into work and be the only person who looks like you and then everyone else looks different like that that feels strange yeah. and that's not like how the real world is anyway.
3: Yeah, yeah, it gives you that level of like understanding, like feeling like somebody understands you and like gets just gets you and it it just makes a worlds of difference.
2: Right, and it makes a big difference to the audience that's watching it too because then they feel like they're, you know, also seen mm-hmm. and represented by what they're watching. Um, and it's specifically yeah. on, you know, on shows mm-hmm. that are directed at, you know, high school students and teenagers, um, you know, as they're growing up, it's really inspiring mm-hmm. to see. Okay. Switching gears. I want to play a little game, a little quick fire game called this or that. So it's basically like, would you rather going to ask a quick question and you just pick one or the other. So we're going to start with the most obvious question, which is team Paxton or team Ben after Season two, where we learn a little bit more about both of them. Team Paxton,
1: (gasps) I've I've always said Team Paxton, Uh, Team Davy first, but then Team Paxton second.
3: Yeah, Team Team Davy first, but honestly, Season two, I'm gonna say Team Paxton too.
2: Wow! Wow! Unanimous. Okay, Mm -hmm. which extracurricular would you rather take, robotics team or drama?
3: Oh, drama! Drama.
2: Okay. Oh, yeah. Lee, you mentioned you mentioned earlier that contrary to your character, that technology is not your drugs. <laughs> um, whose wardrobe would you rather wear in real life? Fabiola's or Eleanor's? Eleanor. Oh, Eleanor. Who? Which school event would you rather participate in? The winter dance or the 24 hour marathon? Winter dance? Winter dance. The 24 hour marathon, when they first introduced it, sounded like it was going to be horrible. But then watching it back, I was like, that, that seems like it could be fun in high school.
1: The camping sounds fun. Uh not to me it doesn't.
2: Yes, like the sleeping and the, the not the running, the bonding that that was occurring without seemed like it, it would be fun. Yeah.
1: You know what, you're right. I'm 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 not swayed <laughs> but I see your point.
2: Okay, in your high school days, would you have been more likely to throw a party when your parents were out of town or sneak out when you were supposed to be grounded?
1: Throw a party. When my parents are out of town, in high school, I would have snuck out and go to Lee's party. I would have done both. Yeah.
2: Okay. You can only keep one of these social media apps. Do you keep TikTok or Instagram?
1: Instagram, because I post more on Instagram. Yeah, than TikTok, me too. Even though I love, TikTok. I love TikTok. TikTok helps me fall asleep, but I'll um, go to Instagram.
2: Okay. And finally, which Mindy Kaling TV show would you rather binge: The Office or The Mindy Project?
1: The Office the
2: office too yeah i mean the mind project is also great there's more episodes of the office so i feel like it depends on you know what kind of Mm -hmm. kind of thing you're you're strapping in for well thank you both so much for joining today um that was awesome and it was really great to talk to both of you and congratulations on the second season i now can't wait for the third season and i'm upset that it's probably going to take a year to see to see more of you guys
1: thanks becky Thanks
0: well even though I had to miss that that was a a fun interview and I have to say again how much I absolutely loved season 2 of Never Have I Ever and I have to say this is maybe not one of the few times yeah one of the few times that I actually enjoyed season 2 more than I enjoyed season 1 because I, I know. I, and I really think it's because this season one was great and I, I loved it, but I think it was a setup. You know, we were kind of really getting to know the family and the culture, which is nice. And I felt like season two was more focused on just Davy and a lot of her personal struggles and just her as a human and the character development, which I thought was fun. And also um, Common, a.k.a. Dr. Chris Jackson, has entered the chat and I can't get enough of just seeing Common on screen because... I mean, he's not, you know, he's not he's not that bad to look at.
2: They added a bunch of new characters who I felt really elevated the show and the material. Sometimes new characters come in and you're like, oh, I don't know how this is going to work. But um, the character of Anissa played by Megan Suri, who sort of comes in as the other Indian girl who is sort of like a rival for Davy, it seems. But she has a really interesting character arc. And a, a lot of layers to her, and, and really add takes the story in an interesting direction and doesn't feel one note like she's really part of the cast in an interesting way. That I felt like they sort of needed like some fresh blood, like some more friends for her.
0: That entire storyline of her sort of being the rival is fun to watch because it's so one sided, which I appreciated, right? Because like Davy clearly feels threatened by her, but Denise is out here just wanting to be her best friend. So I sort of appreciated that it wasn't just a run-of-the-mill sort of like, oh, this girl's coming in and taking... It's, you know, you really see, like, Davy's insecurities and faults in her, and then it obviously the character, Anissa, has her own, um, you know, storyline that kind of takes over, which is, you know, important in the season. It's nice to see the character development between both of them, and it's also nice to see that... I appreciated Mindy Kaling kind of bringing in this character, or the writers bringing in this character, and she's a Muslim character, so... There's culturally, they're very similar and that's sort of what they bond on, but also they're very different in the same sense, too. Um, And as a brown person myself, I appreciated the nuance of that.
2: Yes. And they sort of add a few new love interests for a lot of the cast, which I also think they did a good job towing the line of bringing in new cast members, but also giving the existing characters a little bit more to do. Uh, Eleanor gets a new love interest, who we just heard Ramona talking about, who was... Who you keep calling about, uh, baby Zach Efron? But also, <laughs> yes. like her, her love story or her relationship kind of takes on some dark real world themes of yeah. emotional abuse, and uh, you know they handle it in a really interesting way. Um, Fabiola's a lot. Her whole storyline is about her exploring her first relationship with another woman, uh, Davy's cousin whose name Kamala TV's cousin Kamala also gets a surprise love interest, who I knew you were excited about.
0: Hot cousin Kamala is going to start dating Mr. Cool I see it happening. It's going to be great. Um, the new teacher, he also played Mindy's brother on the Mindy Project, with Karsh Ambudkar. I really hope I'm saying that right.
2: I don't know if I am. I should probably do Also, check who could that. forget his iconic role in Pitch Perfect? i need a volunteer. How about you with the eyes? Come on down to the front and sit right here and don't be shy. So come on, come
0: on. Oh my god. I always forget he's in that movie. And also you had a fun fact about him that he was like in Hamilton or was supposed to be in Hamilton. Yes, he
2: was originally supposed to play Aaron Burr in Hamilton. He's in Oh my god. He's in that lin Manuel Miranda crew. It's actually pretty sad he couldn't be in it because um he was having some personal problems with addiction Aww. so he had to pull out but he was in the early um workshops for Hamilton well he could I'm have been so Aaron Burr sir
0: <laughs> he could have been Aaron Burr well I'm glad to see him as Mr. Kulkarni I really really enjoy him as an actor I think he just lights up the screen when he, he's just funny he's a naturally very funny actor so even though I, I completely forget he's in Pitch Perfect mostly because I tried to forget I watched that movie um that has nothing to do with it I just re- I really loved him in the Mindy Project and I love him in this in season two, even though we don't get to see a ton of him, I think he is. It's nice to see a cool brown young teacher that's like, I don't know. He adds a lot of flair to season two.
2: One of the most fun aspects of the show is that it has celebrity guest stars who serve as narrators. So John McEnroe actually plays the voice of Davy's narration. Hey,
3: it's your boy McEnroe again. This is Davy Vishwakuma. She's a 15 year old Indian American girl from Sherman Oaks, California. And it's her first day of sophomore year. And I am legendary
1: tennis player, John McEnroe.
2: Which is a little bit jarring and hard to get used to at first, but then, you know, becomes really funny. And then Andy Samberg plays the voiceover for Davy's other love interest, who we've barely talked about, Ben, who's a little more... Neurotic? Uh, <laughs> nerdy. This is Ben Gross. He is a 15-year-old boy from Sherman Oaks, California. And I am American actor, producer, writer, and fake rapper, Andy Samberg. What can I say? I wear a lot of hats. Now, you may be asking yourself, why is Andy Samberg narrating the story of this particular boy? Well, honestly, his dad's my lawyer, and I owe him a favor. But, (laughs) um, and then in this season, we get a peek at Paxton's narrator, who was originally supposed to be Chrissy Teigen.
0: Oh, yeah. But she had to
2: be replaced.
0: Well, they, so they replaced Chrissy Teigen with Gigi Hadid actually which uh, is an interesting choice
2: a younger model literally. fresh
0: fresh perspective
2: a younger model literally and gg and paxton have hotness in common which seemed to be the the number one connector there
0: i think one of the best things about this show and especially this season is they continue to use a lot of these teenage storylines that have like you know the the usual teenage show tropes of Triangles and there's dances, and you know, love, love triangles, love, love, yeah, not just love, triangles, not, not just, just not triangles,
2: just triangles. You know,
0: like triangles and geometry. There's science and math classes, there's the dissection happening,
2: They're studying.
0: there's studying, there's books everywhere, there's libraries,
2: a hot swim team. That's I didn't my school didn't have a swim team, so that's something that I've only seen on well, TBX. S-
0: swim team practice will be held above the auditorium. On the projection. Um no, but yes, they but they do all of these storylines in a very interesting way. It's not the same old stuff we've seen, which is why I think it's interesting. Because a lot of this stuff is, you know, with the love triangle, we're sort of waiting to see who Davey's gonna pick, what's gonna happen, Ben, Paxson, but also a large part of this entire whatever that entire storyline is they be working on herself you see you know she is a person that keeps she keeps fucking up she keeps doing a lot of things that you shouldn't be doing and then we are sort of as the audience like what is wrong with you like do you know and then there's moments where we're reminded that this teenager has lost her father in a very traumatic tragic way and so then it humanized and then we're rooting for her again so it's a very It's almost like mental gymnastics as you're watching the show where, yes, it's really light and funny. But then there are moments of these really intense, like emotions of, you know, really serious issues that they're also going through all at the same time.
2: Right. Well, and it kind of turns some of these stereotypes or tropes on its head where instead of being, you know, the perfect, beautiful girl that the two guys are fighting over, like you have on Dawson's Creek, like Joey Potter is like the perfect girl next door and she never does anything wrong. So, of course, these guys are in love with her. This show, it's like she does all these like sort of problematic, erratic things, but in a real humanizing way that it's sort of refreshing to see the guys for once like pining after her and coming after her instead of like the girl just like chasing after the guy who's not interested and... um, like you said it does have a lot of tropes like literally one of the guys is coming in through her window which is like the most classic like that does that ever actually happen in real life or does it only happen on, on TV but they do it in a way that it's almost like comforting to see this age old like hot right. guy coming yeah. in the girl's window to make out thing um
0: but it's also and it's also nice to see with you know the dance and you see who's going to be crowned king and queen but they focus on a completely different aspect of it where now it's two women that are up for, you know, it's focused on a relationship with two women, which I think is also refreshing because it's done, again, so organically that it doesn't feel like, oh, my God, this is breaking barriers. But it's also just like this is normal stuff. There's high schoolers that are LGBTQ plus like I don't understand where we're still under these restrictions of like a homecoming king and queen nonsense so it's I think in that moment it's also it's just it's nice to see it done so you almost don't you're as you're watching it you're not really thinking about it no and there's the beauty of
2: it and there's no like villain of the show so when she's in this love triangle you genu you genuinely could see her dating either one of these guys and you kind of root for both of them but depending on the time you're like okay wait no I think actually she should be with Ben he gets her more and That's actually what she wants to be with. And then Paxton's really working on himself. And you're like, okay, he's trying. Like Maybe I want her to be with him. But you root for every character on the show. You root for the mom to end up with Common. And you root for... (laughs) Actually, I was rooting for Kamala has two love interests. And I was like, either one of these guys. Hot Cousin Kamala. Yeah, I know.
0: Also, maybe the only evil character in season two is Hot Cousin Kamala's lab partner, that douchebag.
2: True. I don't count him. I don't <laughs> He's don't the, the evil misogynistic lab yeah that's true they all
0: suck but yeah that's true there's really no I think that's what this it's, you kind of hold on to a different character each episode which is fun too where there's moments of like you know Eleanor diving into like her her relationship with her stepmom which is chaotic and really endearing at the same time so it's all these things that high schoolers sort of go through but it's just done in a very quirky way
2: No, there's even a redeeming moment for one of the less redeemable characters at the very end, which I very much enjoyed. So if it wasn't clear, if you're not watching Never Have I Ever, now's the time. Catch up on both seasons. Check it out on Netflix. Netflix is not paying us for this episode. We just really love this show.
0: Okay, Becky, are you ready for your burning question? Ready. I thought I'd take us back um, to high school with some fun games we all used to play (laughs) in high school. Oh, goody. (laughs) Hopefully this sparks some horrific memories for you. Um, would you rather do seven minutes in heaven with Ben or play Spin the Bottle, but your only options in spin the bottle are Paxton's stone friend or the coyote that attacked Davy?
2: Okay. This is how old is the actor that plays Ben? This feels like it's pushing the Am I in high school in this scenario?
0: Yeah, yeah. You're you're in high school. You're not yeah. You're not a predator. I mean,
2: this what kind of question is this?
0: Very like relevant, there's
2: a 50% chance to I'm gonna get mauled by a coyote. I, unless the
0: coyote likes you. you no,
2: I am choosing the seven minutes in heaven over 50 oh. Over 50. You know, one of the things I most resent about you is that whatever I pick, you make it sound like it was a crazy <laughs> every time you make that noise, no matter what I pick. If I was like, I picked a coyote, you would have been like, what? like oh <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: It's a shame I just I you. always want to make you question. It's good. It, it keeps the creative it, juice flowing. It really form. ends
2: it ends it making me feel so good about myself. Uh, DJ, play Heat Wave by Glass Animals.
1: I think
3: about you. Can it make you
2: Not over I it, about it is hosted and produced by Becky Kirsch and Zureen Siddiqui. Our producer is Emily Feld. Our editor is John Ross. Our executive producers are Allison Noel and Lisa Sugar. Have something to share? Tell
0: us the moments you're not over by emailing us at notoverit@popsugar.com. at popsugar.com. Thanks for listening.